Unwritten contains mature language, content, and themes. Please listen with care. Previously on Unwritten. Lita looks at a series of text messages on her phone. The other party is Mike, who sent the following messages. Hey, you looked hot last night. You still in the mood? Hello? Silent treatment. Really? Fine. Go to hell, slut. Stop lying to yourself. Lida, her mother, your mother, all meaningless. You need to know who the acrobat is. Elaine stops on one whose profile name reads Mike Jasper. Her eyes widen as she sees the last message from Mike reading, Go to hell, slut. Got you. Elaine? Elaine stops and turns. You could stay home instead. Yeah, I kind of promised Chelsea weeks ago. I've been working up to this mentally. Lita stares emotionless at Elaine, as if in a trance, before forcing a smile. Right. Of course. I'll see you when I get home. Lita stares out the window of her and Elaine's apartment. It's the night of her death, and she's establishing what her mark on the world will be. She looks at her painting, which is almost complete. She puts down her brush and eyes the brown leather journal on the table next to her. She slowly opens the journal to a folded letter at the front and opens the letter. At the top, in slanted script handwriting, is written, From Your Acrobat. As she reads it aloud, her eyes fill with tears. You came to me, your heart and spine crooked, your limbs curling like a warped book, begging for fire after a rainstorm. I burn through pages slowly, carefully unbending them without tearing a single sentence. My hands just rough enough for your smooth words. You say you deserve more than a reader. You deserve a lover. Lita puts the letter down on the armchair next to her easel. She knows the letter by heart and continues reciting from memory. As she speaks, she picks up her brush and begins filling in the blank background with increasing aggression. I drink every drop of the poem that pumps through your veins and the paint that clutters the page of your crooked heart. I am the spark who swirls the cream back into your coffee when it is too black to sip and you shift back to sleep. I am the fire who unwinds you when you recoil too far into the shape of your pillowcase. When the messy bookshelf of your head forgets how far sugar can spread. <sighs> Lita is hysterical. She slams down the brush and turns again towards the window. Clutching the windowsill with both hands, she kneels down to the floor, sobbing. After a moment, her sobs cease completely. In the silence, she finishes the poem. I am the lover who flies with you, never afraid of falling. You deserve a grounded lover. Got it all. It's just unwritten. Not putting it off. 
just trying to figure it out If what I say comes to fruition With these words I can't play around Walking on a wire without a name Ending up alone, it hasn't happened yet Joke around, lighting up Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten, starring Luna Madison, Jordan Lopez, David Senator, Zach Duncan, Adrian Miller, and I'm Sean Gunther. Episode 3, The Acrobat, written by Grace Poppy, directed by Chris Burnside. Also starring Emily Kallenberg, Trey Craggett, Stephen Kallenberg, Aaron Eckout-Lopez, Nicholas Naroth, Matthew Bernard, Thomas Puckett, Joe Oliveri, David Gaylord. Elaine is sitting in her bedroom, wearing workout clothes and a messy bun. She looks exhausted as she works on her laptop. Lita's painting is on the bed next to her. Elaine looks at the painting and sighs. She has just revisited the message, Go to Hell, Slut, from Mike on Lita's social media messages. She clicks on Mike's profile. The first picture is him with his arm around a girl at a fraternity date party. Elaine clicks on his profile picture. Mike and a group of frat bros holding cans of cheap beer. There is a smoke cloud on the right half of the photo. The photo's caption reads, Life's a beach, I brought my sandals, cause we way too hot to handle. Elaine is visibly disgusted. This guy is the acrobat? She sees that Mike is online and messages him. Hello. Who the hell are you? Uh, Mike. Who's this? It's Lita from hell. Elaine rethinks her words and types a different message. Lita's friends. How did you know Lita? Um, we were kind of friends. Last time I talked to her was a couple weeks ago. I don't know why you're messaging now. Really, I hardly knew her. Elaine takes a deep breath. Okay, I'm Lita's roommate, Elaine. I saw your messages. I don't like the timing of them. I'm just trying to get some information. Elaine looks at Lita's painting and whispers to herself, as if Mike might hear her. Such as tell me you're the acrobat? Well, I can promise you I had nothing to do with what you're thinking. But would you rather talk in person? Might be easier. Yeah. Maybe. I've got a gap in between classes. Outside the student center in 10? Okay. See you then. Elaine closes her laptop. She exits her bedroom, grabbing a sweater off its hook and putting it on inside out. She slips on a pair of shoes. She catches her reflection in the microwave and sees her hair is a mess. Ugh. She pulls out her ponytail and starts to fix it as she leaves through the front door and locks it. 
On the way down, she encounters Chelsea in the hallway, holding two iced teas and a bag of fast food under her arm. Hey, Medusa, I was just coming to... Elaine walks past her and then turns around but doesn't stop walking. Hi. Hey, chill. I was just joking. Where are you going? Elaine walks out of the apartment building. Chelsea runs to catch up a few steps behind her. Elaine? Elaine! Sorry, I'm just... Elaine slows down. Number one, where are you going? Number two, where are you going looking like that? Nowhere. She starts walking faster again. Chelsea struggles to keep up with her without dropping the iced teas. You've been dwelling on it again, going through her account. Elaine avoids eye contact. Oh no, please don't tell me you looked at her social media again. Since when do you work for the NSA? Let's see. Since you couldn't even lie to me when you stole a spoonful of my cookies and cream ice cream in fifth grade? Whatever. You knew it was my favorite flavor. So what happened? Did you find something? Some guy named Mike she was talking to. Mike? Mike who? Hey, will you slow down? Elaine slows down only slightly. Sorry, I'm supposed to be meeting him in a few minutes. Meeting him? In person? Oh, now I know something is up with you. <laughs> Confrontation. I can smell it on you. I can also smell those sweatpants. Elaine stops walking. Yes, I know, I know, but the timing was just so suspicious. She wasn't answering any of his messages. The last one being, go to hell, slut. She must have been upset with him. And the last time he talked to her was just a few days before. What? Okay, stop. If you're going to talk to him, I'm coming with you. Oh, God, no. Yes. No. Please. Within 15 feet. 30. 15. Chelsea, that's not how negotiation works. Hmm. Fine, 20. Chelsea smiles. They keep walking. Hey, did you want these fries? Elaine gives her a look, but then takes one. Mike is standing outside of the student center. He is leaning by the door, going back and forth between texting and looking around. He is wearing loose sweatpants, a t-shirt with his Greek letters on it, and a backwards hat. Oh, God. This guy? I know. Remember, 20 feet. I'm going. I'm going. Chelsea sits on the steps across the quad, but is very clearly visible from where Mike is standing. She starts eating her french fries. Mike looks up as Elaine approaches. Hey. Elaine? Elaine nods. Yes. Hi. Hi, I'm Mike. He extends his hand. Elaine shakes it cautiously. So, uh, how's it going? Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry about what happened. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's horrible. Elaine narrows her eyes. How did you know, Lita? Chelsea is eating her french fries furiously, as if they are popcorn during a horror movie. She's straining to listen to the conversation, even though it's impossible for her to hear anything. Honestly, I really didn't know her well, aside from last year. Last year? Yeah, I mean, I thought you'd know. No. We hooked up once. What? I mean, it wasn't a big deal or anything, but I just didn't see her around very much afterwards. Until Splendor one weekend. Lita hates clubs. Well, she was there, okay? Sitting by herself at the bar. I'd forgotten how cute she was. Artistic. Elaine scrunches her nose. Anyway, she was real dressed up. Kept looking around like she was going to meet someone. But he never showed up, so I just said hi. Meeting someone who? Lita wasn't seen anyone. 
Mike shrugs. All I saw was that she kept on texting some guy, had a creepy icon, but just as we really started talking again, he called her, and she ran out and freaking ditched me. Creepy icon? I don't know, it was like a painting of hipster porn. Painting? Do you know which one? What did it look like? I don't know, some purpley naked crap. Was it the acrobat? The what? It's by Picasso. <laughs> Listen, I'm not really too in tune to the whole hipster modern art world. It could have been anything. Elaine sighs. So she ditches me. Hence the go-to-hell slut comment. Yeah, well, I was being nice to her. I deserve to be treated better than that. Yes, you're owed so much more respect for being nice. Mike smiles, not getting her sarcasm. What happened after that? Wouldn't answer me. That's why I'm saying what she did later. I know I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't even on her radar. Maybe it was something with the other dude. Seems convenient that you'd know that nothing about the painting. Seems to me like you didn't know her as well as you thought you did. Elaine and Chelsea are sitting back at the table in Elaine's apartment, eating the lunch that Chelsea brought. Girl, I thought he was going to take you. I was all ready to summon the claws. I have a very particular set of skills. You do know that, even if he was the slightest bit threatening, I could most definitely take him. Yes. I also don't trust frat boys. Well, I don't trust whatever other guy Lita was talking to. She didn't say a word to me about it. Maybe I can try and find those messages. I don't know. I think you just need to take a break from this. Take a break? I haven't done anything. That's the problem. It's not your job to do anything. Elaine slouches. Hey, how about you come out with us? Me, Drea, August. We really missed you at karaoke last night. My Aretha Franklin may have been better than the original Aretha Franklin. Elaine raises her eyebrows. Okay, not better so much as worse, but maybe you would inspire it to be better if you came next time. Chelsea bats her eyelashes. I'm not doing karaoke. And I'm not going to be your muse, ma'am. It doesn't have to be karaoke. I'm also not in the mood to see August. I'm, I'm kind of mortified over how I treated him at the funeral. Okay, fine. Could just be me and you if you want. We could just go to a bar or something. All right. Any places in mind? Well, now that you mention it, I did see these posters up the other day. And since you and August are on your usual on-off whatever thing where you seem to be pretending he doesn't exist, maybe just for tonight we can go... We can go... Speed dating. It's this thing they do, like, once a week at Leo's. Usually it's just for old people, but every couple of Thursdays they open it up to college students. Senior citizen speed dating? I said college. So you want me to sit there sipping lemonade while some creepy old guy spends the whole date shuffling his way over to my seat and then staring down my shirt? No, thank you. Why are you even interested in this anyway? Jesus, Elaine, can we tone down this cynicism, please? I think it'll be fun, and I want to go for you. By that, do you mean entertain yourself by trying out all your weird accents and characters on strangers? No. Maybe. I don't know, Charles. Come on, it'll be fun. Social. You don't need to get another boyfriend or anything. Another? Just think about it, okay? Elaine looks at her watch. Speaking of things I don't feel like doing, it's almost time for me to go teach. She looks down at her outfit. And I should probably get changed first. No. <laughs> Okay. And what great artiste will you be preaching about to the young, impressionable masses today? 
Elaine gets up and goes into her room so that she can start getting ready. Picasso. Oh, I see, I see. The one who cut his ear off or something. Well, that's Van Gogh, but yeah, something like that. So you'll let me know about the... Elaine pokes her head out of her room. Don't say speed dating. Actually, while we're on the topic of things Chelsea suggests that Elaine ignores, I was going to ask about the therapist, but... Chelsea... Okay, okay, too much. I get it. Elaine goes back into her room. Her phone buzzes on the table and Chelsea looks at it. Hmm, well, if you won't consider the speed dating, maybe you'll consider dating your actual boyfriend again. What? Chelsea reads from Elaine's phone. 12.30. Hey, Elaine. I know we haven't talked in a while, but I was wondering if you wanted to get brunch today. I know you love breakfast potatoes. Elaine comes out of her room. Her phone buzzes again. Chelsea reads the next message. 1231. I would really love to catch up with ketchup. Oh, August. Elaine grabs her phone. Thank you for checking my messages. Laney, does this happen often? You're doing it again. Too much, right? I'm sorry. Packing off now. Okay, well, best of luck with the, what is it? The cloudy night painting, starry night? Thanks. And let me know if that prick Greg gives you any trouble. Goodbye, friend. See you later, Professor. Chelsea walks out of the apartment. Elaine walks back into her room, pocketing her phone. She puts a couple of books in her bag, looks at Lita's painting, and takes a deep breath. Elaine and Dr. Lemon sit in silence in Lemon's office. Elaine eyes the books on her shelves, a few of which are about art history. Pablo Picasso sits next to Lemon. How has your teaching been going? It's been okay. I don't know, darling. You did a fairly horrendous job going over my blue period today. Okay. My blue period was influenced by my friend's suicide, sweetheart. What period do you think you're in? Elaine shakes her head, as if trying to ward off Picasso. I'm not sure. I just can't tell if the students really understand the art or not. And how do you personally understand it? Is there a specific example you have in mind? Oh, my dear. You have barely scratched the surface of my biomorphic themes. Though... Your understanding of the rose period is quite good. Well, there's this one painting. I thought I understood it, but now I'm not so sure. <sighs> Even Freud has trouble interpreting the sexual themes of the acrobat, darling. Hmm, okay. And do you find that this parallels your frustrations in other work, like figuring out more about Lita to get some peace of mind? I... Yes, I have. But I... I think I might... I, I think I'm missing something. Something she might have told me. Or something she didn't. Elaine stands up, walks to the window, and looks out. Picasso follows and stands beside her. Something I should have noticed but didn't. Melina, the purpose of art is to wash from the soul the dust of everyday life, not to smother the soul with musty messes. Maybe you just need to look a little more closely at your clues, at my painting, and there you will be relieved of your burden. Maybe there you will find him. 
Elaine gives him a sideways glance. The acrobat. Elaine, maybe you need to take some time away. It seems like you've been spending a lot of time on this. You do know that it's not all your responsibility. That's what Chelsea said. She wants me to go... speed dating. Dr. Lemon and Picasso both perk up. Speed dating? Interesting. I know it's not really up your alley, Elaine, but it might be fun. Get out there and try something new. Picasso lets out a stifled laugh. Elaine gives him a look and he turns it into clearing his throat. Oh, I, I don't know. Anything that's outside your comfort zone that has nothing to do with Lita could be helpful for a while. You might even try joining a few organizations on campus. Elaine's phone buzzes in her pocket. Yeah, maybe. Outside, Elaine walks away from Dr. Lemon's office. She pulls out her phone and scrolls through many unread messages from August. 12.31. I would really love to catch up with ketchup. 12.45. Okay, that was lame. I'm sorry. If you don't want to, that's fine, too. 1.15. Can you just let me know before 2? 4.30. Dinner? Elaine looks to her right in the direction of August's building. Nope. No. No, no. She looks down at her phone again. She stops walking and sighs. She begins to walk slowly towards his building. What are you doing, Elaine? What are you doing? August lives on the second story of a brick apartment building. Elaine stands at the top of a staircase outside his door, shivering. She knocks very slowly. Please don't be home. Please don't be home. August answers the door. Elaine! August! Hey! Oh, my gosh, Elaine, hi. hi. I didn't think you were coming. I didn't hear from you. Uh, you want to come in? I'm good. I just... Yeah, sorry, I was teaching today. I was busy. Did do you want to go to dinner? She winces as the words come out of her mouth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'd be great. Uh, just let me get my jacket. Elaine stands outside on the staircase, still shivering. You sure you... Yep. Right. Cool. He gives her a dad-style thumbs up and goes back inside. Elaine raises her eyebrows. August comes out seconds later with his jacket. Ready? Mm-hmm. Elaine and August walk down the steps. August keeps glancing at Elaine, who is looking straight down. They walk toward the nearest parking lot. Their footsteps crunch on asphalt. So, uh, I was thinking we could go to this place called Zachary's. Uh, I didn't make a reservation because, well, yeah, let me call them. Elaine half smiles. August steps away to call the restaurant. <clears throat> Elaine's phone buzzes. A text from Chelsea. So, are you down for tonight? Outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. Elaine types back, somewhat hiding her phone in her pocket. While she types, August talks on the phone with the restaurant. Out with August. OMG. Okay. Cool. Have fun. Be safe. Let me know if you want to go out after. But no rush. Elaine shakes her head and puts her phone back in her pocket. Elaine and August sit in a warmly lit and fairly upscale restaurant. Burnt orange curtains flow to the floor. Each table has a candle. Light chatter fills the restaurant, but nobody sits right next to Elaine and August. They sit silently. 
Elaine has a ginger ale in front of her, August a glass of wine. August is staring at her. Elaine is staring past him. She plays with her fork, clinking it against her glass. August takes a deep breath as if he's about to say something, but doesn't. After the waiter delivers their food, Elaine plays with the spaghetti around her fork, but does not eat anything. She looks at a couple laughing a few tables away. The waiter catches Elaine's eye and walks over to the table. He offers her some wine. Elaine looks tempted. I... I'm good, thanks. The waiter attends to another table. Does your food taste okay? Elaine nods. Her phone, on top of her purse on the floor, buzzes with a message from Chelsea. Elaine glances down to read it. If you see this message, put the phone down and get back to your date. Elaine's foot taps next to her purse. She starts furiously twirling her spaghetti around her fork. August is eating rather slowly, looking at her concerned. Elaine continues to shovel the spaghetti and meatballs into her mouth. She takes a sip of ginger ale and looks at the ceiling. The waiter puts the check in front of August and walks away. I can... August shakes his head. No, 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 no. I got it. Please. August signs the check. Elaine looks semi-guilty, but also a little annoyed. A few minutes later, August pulls up behind another car, a few paces away from Elaine's apartment door. Is this good? Yeah, awesome. I'm so glad we did this. Seriously, it was great to see you, August. Elaine begins opening the car door before the car has fully stopped. What, you rushing off to go on another date? Elaine comes back into the car for a moment. No, not exactly. Not, not exactly. I, I, was, I was kidding. Are you actually going on another date? No, not a date. A bunch of dates. August's mouth hangs open. Chelsea wants to go speed dating, but that's not even... What? I mean, it's nobody I already know. It's just like people I'll never see again. Pretty much just for her own amusement. It's not even like... Dates for amusement? Yours or theirs? No. No, no, it's it's not like that. I probably won't even go. I can't make you do anything, Elaine, but I really don't think you should go. August studies her eyes intently. After a moment, he leans in slightly. Well, Chelsea's going to kill me if I don't hurry, so I'll see you around. She opens the car door again and rushes to the door of her apartment building. August sits in the car, nodding to himself totally defeated. Elaine and Chelsea walk into Leo's, a bar downtown. Senior citizens come here? Don't judge. Okay, so here's how it works. When the bell rings, the guys will switch and come to you. You stay seated the whole time. I just sit and wait for them to come to me? This is so heteronormative. Laney, not now. It'll be fun. Kind of find your prince charming. Elaine drags her feet on her way to her seat. She pouts and crosses her arms when she sits down. Jay, a man nearly Elaine's age, sits down across from her. Hi. Nice to meet you. I'm Jay. Hello. Elaine? Elaine. Elaine. What are your thoughts on the affair this evening, Elaine? Of course, the turnout isn't wonderful. I prefer larger parties myself. They're so 
intimate. At small parties, there isn't any privacy. He licks his lips and stares too intensely into her eyes. Um... You see, I usually find myself among strangers. I sometimes throw extravaganzas in my, uh, small backyard on the weekends. I drift here and there. The whole town shows up, but lately, one important individual has been missing. Elaine just stares at him. She walked away one day. Can you believe it? Just strutted away, the wind ballooning her white ball gown, as if ready to carry her off into the nighttime sky. I've been getting on, though. Beating on. That's all we can do, you know. We're just boats against the current. Hang on. Stop. Are you role-playing? Born back ceaselessly into the past. The great Gatsby. Gatsby doesn't role-play. He's just Gatsby. I'm Gatsby. Well, Gatsby, I'm sorry, but I cannot take you seriously. Does this actually work on people? Between you and me, it does not typically take the course that it should. Shocker. But every once in a while... He gestures towards her. Elaine cringes. Maybe not. For real, what exactly are you doing here? Jay stares at her for a moment. Well, I... You see, in my younger and more vulnerable years... Gatsby. Reserving judgments, my dear, is a matter of infinite hope. We must always... Gatsby! Elaine looks around, embarrassed. Jay sighs and gives her a sheepish grin. Beside them, Chelsea speaks in a terrible Australian accent about life in the outback to a confused man. What are you doing here, darling? Have you had a fight with your boy? With a friend? He's not my boy. It's not a friend. I have no boy. Well, whomever they are, just remember that we should learn to show our friendship for a man when he is alive and not after he is dead. Yes? Elaine looks startled. She opens her mouth, but no sound comes out. So, what do you say, my dearest flower? Elaine smiles weakly. Farewell, fake Fitzgerald. Jay stands up. Elaine, you know there are only the pursued, the pursuing, the busy, and the tired. Which would you rather be? I'll take the busy and the tired, thanks. Jay walks away slowly, looking straight ahead, and each step he takes echoes on the wood floor. Chelsea leans over to Elaine. Elaine takes a deep breath. I'm going to have a panic attack. Idea. We could do the dates together. You know, so I can measure if these guys are good enough for you or not. Not that any of them are likely to be good enough for you, but you do the talking, okay? Elaine relaxes a bit. She nods to Chelsea. Chelsea plops down beside her. Ronald, an older man with clearly dyed brown hair, sits across from them. Well, hello. Is this seat taken? I suppose it is now. Elaine stares at the floor. Chelsea nudges her. Elaine looks up at Ronald with the fakest of fake smiles. I'm Ronald. What are your names, sweethearts? Oh, I'm just moral support. Your date's with her. Elaine stares blankly at the ground, unfocused. Mystery woman, are we? All right, I can work with that. And what do you do in your spare time, mystery woman? Elaine doesn't say anything. Ronald looks under the table in an attempt to see what she's staring at. He sees the corner of a Gloria Steinem book coming out of her bag. Ah, a reader, are we? 
personally, I'm not a fan of Steinem. She's a little too, well, heavy-handed on the femininity for my taste, but I do enjoy a good book on Sunday evenings, mostly biographies, long biographies, but I also switch it up with some sci-fi now and then. Keeps it exciting. Ronald winks. How old are you? Ronald recoils a bit, startled. Well, sweetheart, surely not too old for you if that's what you're asking. Oh, really? Yes. Share with us why you're the perfect match for her. I think a lot of younger girls nowadays think they know exactly what they want. They want some ambitious, energetic, young chap who's graduating at the same time as them, can keep up with their lifestyle, all that jazz. But men mature later in life than women. Older men can really give the support, emotionally, financially. Geriatrically. We're the mature ones, the ones who really know what's good for their ladies. Know what I mean? Yes. I often struggle with decisions. It'd be so nice to have a wizened counselor for my everyday choices. Truly. Ronald looks pleased with himself. Someone to replace that Steinem with a big, fat Stephen King or James Patterson. Someone whose words will really stand out to you. Ronald's eyes move from her face to her breasts. Elaine looks flustered. Chelsea narrows her eyes. Looking to unlock an achievement, Ron? Ronald looks confused. Oh, sorry. I'll try to restrict my references to the 20th century. I thought the date was with your friend. You're a little old for her. I just explained that. Besides, I really don't see age. You know? Look in a mirror. Ronald is shocked at her rudeness. Hang on. I might have some Werther's Originals in my purse. Ronald turns to Elaine. This might go better if it were just the two of us. I can hear the minister at your wedding now. To have and to hold for two more years. For richer or for prenup, in sickness and in hospice. Ronald fidgets uncomfortably. He stands. I think I heard the bell. Nope. There it is. Ronald moves to the next table. Elaine shoots Chelsea a look. I thought you were just my moral support. This next one's all you. Sean, a guy much closer to Elaine's age, approaches. He is carrying an electric guitar case on his back without a guitar in it. He's dressed in red jeans and an undersized T-shirt. He pushes his long hair out of his eyes. He looks far too young for Elaine. Sean takes his guitar case off and places it on his lap as he sits down. Hey, name? Elaine raises an eyebrow. E. Lane. Lane, four words to describe you. Go. Oh, I think we'd really rather you go first. Well, I'm in a band. I'm a memer. I write punk indie love songs with a touch of faded rap. So, drums. Memes? Rap love, your turn. Chelsea leans over and whispers into Elaine's ear. Bears beats Battlestar. Elaine waves dismissively at Chelsea. I've got this. Buy a guitar. Haircut. Sean shrugs and walks away. 
I feel like I'm being transported back and forth from an ABC Family drama to a high school Disney Channel movie. Come one, come all! We are now casting jerks for all networks of all ages! Hey there, sweet thing. Aha! Responding to our summoning. I work in finance. Just got promoted last week. At work, we do speed dating too, like meeting speed dating. For two to five minutes, we throw around some proposals, get some killer data to the HR guy to send up to corporate. But then for the next hour, it's just mostly us guys making sex jokes. Elaine and Chelsea stare, profoundly bored. I was kind of hoping that's how real speed dating would be. <laughs> huh. Hmm. Uh, maybe you should be dating a dude. Insert sex joke here. You get it? Insert. Do you? Is this a package deal? She's actually my mother. I look young for my age. Whoa. I'd be down. This may be the one we've been looking for, Griselda. To prolong my youth. His life force should do nicely. And then the priest says, Only if the dog kissed me first. <laughs> yeah? Yeah? Leave. Now. What's your favorite cheese? You look really familiar. I'm a Colby Jack man myself, but I respect most cheeses. We actually met recently. Except mozzarella. That's like the vanilla of cheeses. You just can't trust anyone whose favorite cheese is mozzarella. And don't even get me started on cream cheese. This should be humiliating, but for some reason, I'm loving it. Elaine looks up and sees Hemingway sitting across from her, wearing an untucked button-down and a skinny tie. Chelsea is focused on texting someone. What brings you out tonight, little lady? Elaine rolls her eyes. What? This is how people do it nowadays. Ernie needs a new wife. Elaine looks around and then leans forward. Why are you here, Ernie? Are you trying to escape some guilt that has been building up, perhaps? Some pain that your research might uncover? What you should have done when Lita was still here? Or maybe you're actually afraid of ending up with poor Augustus. You know what they... I say, never confuse movement with action, old sport. Hemingway winks. Uh, you and Freud. Oh, careful, dear. Chelsea looks up from her phone. Hey, that means we are supposed to take a break. How are the chaps treating you now? Demeaning is an understatement. Elaine's phone buzzes. She digs it out of her bag. It is an email from Professor Lincoln with the subject line, Thesis Topic? Damn. I don't think I can do any more of this. I'm going to head out. Courage is grace under pressure. But what on earth could be more important than messing with men alongside your best best friend? Thesis, remember? I have to work on it tonight. Not that it's more important than you. But Lainey... There will always be more pompous men in the world to mess with. Come on, let's get out of here. Pablo Picasso stares out the window of Elaine's apartment, looking at the night sky. Elaine sits on her couch, Lita's painting behind her on its easel. Four open books and a handful of crumpled pieces of paper rest on the coffee table in front of her. She is writing on a notebook page that is already covered in illegible writing, some of it crossed out, some of it slanting downwards. She shoves it away. 
She picks up a book at random and reads deeply into one of the lines, then pushes that away also. Your pen will not get you anywhere right now, Melinda. Try brush strokes. Always helped me. Elaine sighs. <sighs> yeah, that and your 47 muses you cheated on your wife with. Ay, 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 feisty tonight, are we? Elaine gets up and walks over to the acrobat painting. Where the hell is he hiding? You know, I always found it comical that nobody could figure out the gender of this painting. I even made one afterward called the female acrobat. You know that when you made this painting, you intended it to be a male taking over a female body. Yes, most of it appears masculine, but you purposely made the top right elbow look mas feminina because it leads to a hand that is holding male genitalia. Okay, and? Ugh. Picasso raises his eyebrows at her, concealing a smirk. And don't even get me started on your stupid Marie-Therese painting. Estupido? Ay. Well, okay, fine. It has beautiful elements of abstraction to it. But a work that completely objectifies your muse becomes your most expensive portrait sold to date. Even today, it's kind of infuriating. What can I say? The masses will never stop loving love. Elaine scoffs. <laughs> yes, love. Which is why all your paintings of her portray her in secret. Because you couldn't even tell your wife about her. This is getting mighty personal, dear. Might I suggest channeling this energy toward your thesis? Or are we having too much fun? Elaine sits back down on the couch, facing the painting. Okay, yeah, I accept your deflection. It's just a little difficult simultaneously planning for my lessons this week and trying to figure out this thesis. You're aware that my class understood almost nothing about you earlier today. Kind of difficult to get my head out of 1930s Picasso, France. Yes, your students did quite butcher it. Especially my inspiration for creating the series The Acrobats in the first place. They seemed shocked that it was inspired by an actual circus. Why is that loco? Acrobats at the circus? Well, that was Greg. He can't eloquently deliver any phrase that doesn't end with bro, much less the French Cirque Medrano. Ay, Dios mío. Elaine stands up and runs her fingers over Lita's painting. Picasso, do you really think it's possible to do someone's memory justice this way? Which way, mi amor? Painting? Oh, I don't know. I painted people who were alive and who I was sleeping with. Elaine looks at the ceiling. A couple of hours later, after fruitless researching into other male painters that have used females as their muses, Elaine is asleep on the couch. Picasso is painting in the corner of the room. Elaine dreams that she is at the Cirque Medrano in 1930s France. Everything around her looks as if it were painted in abstraction. The show has just ended, and she is on her way out when an acrobat above her struggles to balance on a tightrope. He wavers, then falls. As Elaine reaches out to him, she sees how he resembles Picasso's acrobat. She sharply retracts her hand, and the acrobat crashes to the ground in a shower of colors. Five more acrobats suddenly come crashing down around her, each one resembling one of Picasso's paintings from his acrobat series. Elaine frantically tries to run, but the acrobats rise up and encircle her. They pace around her as they speak with familiar voices. Did you know me, dearest? I mean, really know me? 
Are you trying to escape some guilt that has been building up, maybe? Some pain that your research might uncover? The male acrobats begin to crowd Elaine, pushing the female acrobat to the back of the group. Elaine tries to reach out to grab the female acrobat. Lita! What you should have done when she was still here. Elaine pushes Hemingway out of the way. It's joyful, Elaine. The exit, like I'd hoped. Lita, what? No! Or maybe you're actually afraid of ending up with poor Augustus. Elaine shakes her head violently and pushes the Hemingway acrobat away again, only to reveal an August acrobat standing behind him. I thought we had something, Elaine. You know, really had something. You know I'm the only one who really understands, and yet you've pushed me away. She takes a deep breath and stares at the floor. August, you don't. You never understand. August's form dissolves, replaced by another familiar male form. Oh, Elaine. You know I'm the one who can really be there to take care of you when you can't handle the research on your own. The teaching. The mysteries. I'll be the one there to comfort you when the demons awake you, when they won't let you sleep. Another transformation. Four words to describe this dream. Creepy, inspiring, rap love. You know... I hope to never return. And yet you're trying to bring me back. (laughs) Is this really about Lita? Or your precious project? Perhaps you're a mystery fetish? Or is it about you, superheroine Elaine? Mi cielo, buenos dias. (gasps) Elaine gasps as she snaps awake. Morning sun streams through the window. She picks her head up from the couch. Picasso has another easel set up next to Lita's painting. He is holding a set of paints, copying the acrobat, making his version of the female acrobat. Oh, brillante, brillante. The female form. Forever an impeccable mystery, just waiting to be morphed with my palette. Elaine rubs her eyes and squints. You've got to be kidding me. (sighs) Mi cielo? Go back to dreaming in the blue period, please. You belong so much better there. Elaine looks at the ceiling. Oh, no. Lincoln, did I miss my meeting with Lincoln? I should hope not, dear, unless you transported your cluttered brain to her office while I was uh, brush-stroking. Elaine opens her laptop. Oh, thank God. I still have a few minutes. I have to tell her I need an extension. No, I I can't do that. No, no, I I can't do that because I told her last night it was working. You know, Simone and I spoke while you were sleeping. You really ought to talk to your Dr. Lemon about the pains of releasing repressed wishes in your sleep. Elaine turns around and looks at the acrobat paintings. Oh, we just do not need both of these. She stands up, starts to walk towards her bedroom, but walks towards the paintings instead. Elaine becomes lost in thought as she stares at the paintings, studying the figures. Oh, Lita, was the acrobat even a real person at all? What if you were just being poetic? Hmm. A symbolic acrobat would explain her pain better than a real one. Elaine turns to Picasso, suddenly irritated. Should I also point out how unfair it is that the default acrobat is male while you needed to specify that this one was female? Forget it. I have somewhere to be. She turns to walk towards her bedroom. 
Picasso waves his brush. Nonsense, amor, nonsense. They all want the same thing in the end. Sex. Stop talking to Sigmund. Picasso smiles. In Chelsea's office, Chelsea and Gerald are in the midst of a conversation. Oh, it was fine. She did fine, sorta. I'm just trying to get her out a little bit more, you know? Get her to do something a little more wild for once. Well, I think speed dating was a wise choice. I'm sorry. Was that sarcasm? <laughs> I mean, I was going to suggest she get friendship tattoos with me, but I knew she'd never in ten bazillion light years. A tattoo. Chelsea, you have to do better than that. She still thinks showing your ankles is a risque fashion move. I'm just saying, even straight-laced Dean Wagner has a tattoo. You do not. But I do. What is it? Elaine rushes to her meeting with Lincoln. She is scrolling through her phone as she walks, rehearsing. Yes, Professor Lincoln, I know exactly what I'm writing about. Precisely. You see, my topic is, well, ways that disgusting male painters use females as muses. Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. Her phone buzzes. It is an email from Professor Lincoln. Elaine reads it aloud. Sorry, Elaine, but I cannot meet this morning. Please email me your precise thesis abstract as soon as possible. Damn it. Picasso walks up beside Elaine. <laughs> this is just priceless, isn't it? You're not that upset with Lincoln. No. No, this whole thing. What am I doing? Why do I think I can swoop in and save Lita's memory? Find the acrobat, figure out the stupid project, keep on teaching. Superhero and Elaine. Yes, chica, you are crazy, but... Thanks. She stops and begins walking to her right. Darling, where are you going? Chelsea's office. I need to get out of my head. Do you think that maybe there was a reason that Lita was so secretive with you? I don't know. Maybe she thought I'd tell Chelsea every single thing she said because I was so untrustworthy and Lita and I just were not that close, right? Maybe she wasn't ready. Or maybe there is a very good reason she withheld information from me. She knew I'd be useless. Back in Chelsea's office. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it was a particularly proud moment. You are full of surprises, El Capitan. Elaine pokes her head into Chelsea's office. Laney! Hey, you look exhausted. Uh, have you met Dean Wagner? Dean Wagner? Hello. Well, hi, Elaine. Speak of the devil. Elaine looks at Chelsea. We were just talking about surrealism. Yes, surrealism indeed. Ah. What about surrealism? Well, just a bit about how the seemingly irrational juxtaposition of images can unleash the imaginative potential of the brain in very healthy ways. Oh, I see. Gerald looks at his watch. Don't mean to be rude, but I have to go, meeting with a student. I thought that was later. No, no, she requested to change it. Ah, you're a good sport. Gerald shrugs. Gotta be flexible. Plus, she's one of my brightest stars. Is it Sarah? Indeed, beauty and brains, that one. Just brilliant. She's been doubting herself lately, but I keep telling her she can do absolutely anything she sets her mind to. <laughs> Actually... Whenever I mention some grand career option for her, she plays it off by saying, oh, that's too much work, I don't have enough energy for that, or that's too mature, too grown up. It won't agree with me, 
But I know she's just hiding her true motivations. I know she can do it. I know she wants to do it, you know? Sure. Gerald shakes his head as if clearing his mind. It's a tightrope we deans walk when advising our students. Anyways, gotta run. Have a lovely afternoon, ladies. There is always hope. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. If you or a loved one is in crisis, talk to a friend, family member, teacher, counselor, or confidant. If you need help immediately, text 741-741 to the crisis text line from anywhere in the U.S. To find additional help or ways that you can help, visit our website at unwrittenpodcast.com forward slash resources. Stay tuned for scenes from our next episode. Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten. Executive Producers, Chris Burnside, Megan Burnside. Producers, Anna Adamy, Joey Ferber, Jenna Gomes, Cece Hutton, Avery Hutto, Grace Poppy, Tavis Taylor. Sound Engineer, Dan Seavers. Script Editors, Anna Adamy, Chris Burnside. Script Supervisors, Cece Hutton, Grace Poppy. Theme song by Joey Ferber, Kelsey Mills, and Ian Mortison. Unwritten was recorded at Megafauna Sound. For more Unwritten, visit our website at unwrittenpodcast.com. Hey, Unwritten fans. This is Chris from Dayton Writers Movement. If you're enjoying the show, please visit unwrittenpodcast.com support to join the movement and get exclusive unwritten gear that's only available to supporters. If you're a fan of listening to more stories, check out audibletrial.com unwritten to get a free audiobook. We appreciate everyone's support as we work to bring you more Unwritten. On the next episode of Unwritten. Come on, Lita, talk to me. Behind her, a shadowy figure moves through the darkness. Was it him? Elaine's eyes open wide as she makes a realization. Not wanting to write, needing to write, this is what I need to write. My thesis. You trying to make the world a better place will never get old, Lainey. Elaine looks up and attempts her most authentic fake smile. Chelsea, apparently appeased, leans back and drinks her coffee. Lita said she kept evidence. It must be at the apartment. We need to find it.